Welcome to the Nightlife Podcast, Season 4, Episode 8. Guys, today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jason Luttrell, bartender, author, consultant, I mean, you name it, a man who wears many hats. Somebody who I definitely am glad uh, I ran into. This guy is uh, one of those people who is giving back to our community, to our industry, and, you know, is helping others. Uh, the same way that I wish I have been doing for you. So please, first of all, make sure you go to Amazon and get his book, Bartender as a Business. It's not just for bartenders, um, but I don't want you to wait any longer. Uh, let's now get into this conversation with Mr. Jason Luttrell. Welcome, Jason. How are you, my man? Hey, Julio. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm I'm very excited to be here. No, man. I, I don't think you're as excited as I am. I'm going to tell you one thing. Um, when I started doing this, I, uh, you know, di by this, I don't mean working in the nightlife industry, but I mean, by this, I mean, like writing a book and, and trying to leave a legacy somehow or help other people, creating courses and, and all those kinds of things. When I realized that there was something else out there that I could actually help others, um, what I found at, at the beginning was that there weren't that many people doing the same thing in our industry. And I feel like a lot of people in our industry need a little more, you know, compassion and some help from those that have been around, you know. Um, so finding people that are doing the same is an amazing feeling. Uh, the minute that I saw the, you know, your, your, your book right away, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta get it. And I gotta, gotta, Start reading. I haven't finished it. I'm reading it, uh, but um, but it, I definitely. It's a it's a it's a short, snackable book. But thank you so much for picking it up. Um, and I, I appreciate the the leadership that you've shown. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things to talk about with this, uh, with mm -hmm. what's going on right now. You know, we're talking about compassion and 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 leadership. Um, I don't think we're going to really see that from the from the federal government. Mm -hmm. Um, and so and now is the time for us to. Um, kind of take the reins for ourselves and decide what our own future is going to be and not be beholden to any one single employer because um, the thesis, one of the primary theses of the book, um, although it's, you know, hopefully very accessible, is that, um, you know, we are, we have all the skills that we need um, as independent hospitality workers um, because the truth is, is if we don't work, we don't eat. Um, and there is very little difference between that and what an entrepreneur does. Um, the, the, the big difference is that um, bartenders and servers and hospitality workers, they have one place that they have to show up. And they have rules around that. Uh, whereas right. if you're an entrepreneur, um, you can solve any kind of problem. So our, our ability to um, you know, work 12 hours without peeing or eating, um, mm -hmm. our ability to um, withstand a significant and substantial amount of bullshit from guests, from un, from unreasonable guests, um, right. uniquely qualifies us to be uh, business people and 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 on, and on our own. And I'm not saying go out and quit your job. But in fact, I emphatically say don't quit your job because you can learn about the business side if you're interested in while you're working. But um, you know, the truth is, is that there are roughly 15.7 million service and hospitality workers hmm. um, in the United States. And it's estimated that up to 60% of these bars and restaurants are not going to reopen. So that leaves around six and a half, seven million people that are going to have to figure something out and, and, and uh, switch. Right. So this book was written for them, uh, for the people who are just like, I'm not going to take this anymore. Uh, I have mm -hmm. everything that I need. I can do this with zero dollars, zero business account. I don't even need an idea. All I right. need to do is plant my flag in the ground and say, I am available for hire for whatever the whatever it is that I do. Right. So before we dive into more more details of, 
you know, what bartender as a business um, talks about. Tell me a little more about your beginning in the industry. How, how did you become a bartender? How, how did you find out that you like this? Um, well, my mom told me from really young age that I would be a great bartender or a great shrink. Um, <laughs> Which I'm you learning. actually use both of them in this industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they're kind of one and the same. I wasn't really too excited about school. I love learning, but I was never really great at school. Never really too interested in like the structured learning of it. But, um, you know, I read about a book a week. I, I, I'm constantly reading. I love, love learning, but it was just uh, school wasn't right for me at that time. Um, and so I moved on and, uh, you know, went to work for radio stations. I worked at gas station. I worked with a bunch of lame jobs. Um, and that ultimately led me to like being a tour manager of a band. Um, and so I traveled the country and Canada several times over, over the course of a couple of years and played in bands and did all this, um, all this really, really fun stuff. But, you know, I didn't really have a lot to show for at the end of it. And, um, and then one of the jobs that I, that I took out of just basically desperation was at this local bar called Hoolies in East County, San Diego. Um, and I, that's where I met my first mentor who kind of guided me through, um, his name is Tom Dowd. He actually works in, uh, Fado in, uh, in Chicago now, but he's a really interesting guy, but he kind of walked me through, um, what the, what the possibilities were and kind of guided me along, you know, how to basically act and, and, um, and, uh, you know, develop a career out of, uh, in service and hospitality. So I started off washing dishes, bussing tables, then I ended up, uh, waiting tables and they, they wouldn't give me a job uh, as a bartender because they only hired women. Um, and so, um, I quit that job and then started working someplace at this completely massive dive. Uh, it was just like the, it's still to this day, one of the worst bars I've ever been in. And I worked there 40 hours a week from 10 to six, uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I was the day bartender and I had replaced a bartender that, um, had, was rumored to have been stabbed by one of the guests. Um, oh. so nobody would really tell me the real story. Um, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a, it was a dump and it was like a, you know, a hell's angel stronghold and there was meth being dealt over the bar all the time. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but that was also a lot of great experience that I really appreciated. Um, long story short, I zipped over to New York, um, to play drums, to record a, uh, record an album with a friend. Um, and, um, and that lasted about three months. I had to get a job right out of the, right out of the gate. So I started walking dogs in New York. You can't get a job unless you have experience and um, the experience that I had didn't matter. Right. Um, so they, so they, uh, I lied on my resume got my first job and then worked my way up through the ranks across different bars. Eventually worked at a bar called the Randolph, um, which, which eventually hired, um, Sasha Petrasky to uh, consult on the bar program. And that's when I got my first real cocktail training. So if you don't mm -hmm. know Sasha Petrasky, um, he's like kind of considered the, the God, like one of the like godfathers of the cocktail revival in New York about 15 years ago. Um, so I got to train very closely for a very short amount of time with him, but that was probably the most I'd ever learned in the shortest amount of time. And then from that, I eventually worked at a dram, which is in Brooklyn, another mm -hmm. cocktail bar, um, in the nightclub scene. Um, I, there's no money in cocktail bars. So it's <laughs> so like hmm. I had to work in nightclubs as well. Right. So I worked in a couple of places in Chelsea, um, and, uh, um, on 28th street, famous to, to 28th those street that, nightclubs. to those that don't understand the difference. Can you say a little bit more about that, that, you know, the nightclub versus, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you work in nightclubs, you know that that's uh, it's kind of it's hit or miss just like any other bar. But when it's when the money's good, it's really good. Right. Uh, when it's bad, it's really bad. Um, right. And, you know, this it's it's just a different different kind of thing. But it's, you know, nightclubs are where you get really, really fast. And so I was mm -hmm. able to adapt a lot of skills from nightclub work into mm -hmm. um, into cocktail work. And, and, and then, also, um, in a way, I think nightclub, you need to know a little less as to the mixology part of it. Kind of. No? You... Uh, perhaps. I, I would say it's different. It's different. Mm -hmm. I mean. 
Um, there's a lot of politics in nightclubs that's that doesn't exist in, co- in cocktail bars. Um, right. I mean, I'm know, saying, like, like, for example, in Miami, it's like rum and coke. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, mojitos, uh, Long Island. Yeah. But, that, but that's <laughs> like like the the most complicated thing. Like, yeah. I, I I know bartenders that they when somebody comes to them and says, "Let me have a mojito," they will give you a face that you will not come back to that bar ever see, again like, see, like, for some reason that's like a four ingredient drink i'm like, I'm like yes no i'm not going to talk to you out of a out of a mojito so i can serve you a nine bottle pickup zombie exactly um, exactly <laughs> like, you'll get the mojito in fact if you want a vodka soda you're going to get that too real fast you're right. first in line buddy um but yeah i mean it was, a, it was a very interesting learning experience working in both worlds Uh, but my heart, my passion was in making cocktails, and um, I was working with some of the best bartenders in the world, and uh, and I eventually got a job at Death and Company, where I was okay. uh, where I was for two and a half years before I actually started my own business uh, in hospitality and events consulting. Okay, you say at the beginning of this uh, of the explanation of how you got into it, you said your mom um, mm-hmm. said you would have been a good bartender or shrink. Um, was was this what like the ability of To talk to people, listen to people, or where, or, or were you making drinks for her? What, what was the whole? Where is this um, coming from, really? I think it was more, more of a personality thing, and I, I mean, it's just you know, in, it was one of those things that you just say to a kid, just kind of like, kind of as a joke. But I remember exactly where we were, exactly the intersection, exactly that we were in this um, like 1990. Pontiac Beretta at the corner of Waring and Navajo in Allied Garden, San Diego, which is about a mile from San Diego State. I remember exactly where we oh, wow. were when she said that to me. Um, and so I, that may have been one of the turning points in my life because, mm. um, I don't know, because I've always had it in the back of my head that I would, that I would love to be a bartender. I mean, right. I, I wanted to play stadiums as a drummer for sure. But Ever, ever um, thought what would have happened if you would have been a shrink? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Uh, I would feel... Uh, probably worse for my guests than I do now. Right, <laughs> I, definitely, um, definitely. All right, so yeah, so you, so you've been doing this um, for over a decade, right? More twelve years is that what it is? Uh, Or are you bartending? You know what? I I feel like I've been saying a decade for a long time. Yeah, I right? think it's probably closer to 15 years now. That yeah. uh, I was behind bars for 10 years, and then uh, and then I've been in the business, and then I started my business in 2010. So that's another 10 years. So, hmm. um, rough, almost 20 years probably. It's, right. it's probably close to right. I'm I'm four. I'm 39 years old. I didn't start shaking until I was 21 because you can't have a bar shift in in, in California until 21. So, I'll, the math is 19 years on that. Right, right. Let me ask you a question. When when do you make the decision? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into consulting instead of just behind the bar. That was a that was. Thank you for that question. That was a really tough question, and um, and frankly, I left a little too early. I had so much more to learn uh, about making drinks and how to run bars, um, so it was very much a fail-forward situation. But um, it started off like people would kind of put, give me their business cards over the bar and say, "Hey, I'm I'm putting a bar together, and I need some recipes, or I have an event. Do you know how to make these drinks at this event?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah sure." And I didn't I didn't know, um, <laughs> but um, I didn't know how to use spreadsheets. I didn't I just did math on 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 a notebook by hand. So there were lots of mistakes. Um, I guess I was kind of charming because people called me back occasionally. I was able to build a business on it. And, um, you know, the first year, um, I lost money, like lost a little bit of money. The second year, um, I, I was doing okay. And then the third year I, I quit my job. I right. Said, I mean, is, it's time to make a leap and, and go full time. Yeah. Right. Besides being charming, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people that called you back knew even less than what you didn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't know nearly as much as like 
Aisha Sharp and Willie right, like, Shine, right? Like and, an, and, an actual Seymour, right? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I was, I was like, I was like a, I felt like a baby because they were these guys were just blowing, blowing out stadiums. I'm, I'm sure um, you weren't, you know, charging as they were. Uh, you know. <laughs> I have no so. idea, but probably not. <laughs> I, was, I was probably obnoxiously competitive price wise, um, and I've since learned that um, com uh, competing on price is a fool's errand. So right. if you're if you're out there selling your services independently, then try to be the most expensive service there is because people shop for that. Right. Um, so how do you get better at consulting? Um, it's a lot of self education. Um, this was kind of before Google, Google, Google drive and, and like you could have Excel. So I had to learn how to use Excel. I didn't really, I wasn't very good at it. Um, and I had to just like look on the internet and find out how, right. and the, the cool thing is, is that the, the knowledge is democratized now more than it's ever been. If anything that is knowable can be learned on YouTube, you want to learn how to figure out a Rubik's cube. You want to mm. figure out how to, um, to, how to, to write a book. I, I learned how to write my book on, on, on YouTube. I said, Me too. how do I write it? Yeah. I said, how do I write a book? <laughs> and it's, and there's like, just like this sea of, of, of things saying like, this I remember, is how I remember my, my Google search was how to write a book ASAP. Yeah, and people write books in, in a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that guy, but but that, uh, it took me two years. I I know. I mean, so I was it, I was expecting a kid. Then he was born, and then I couldn't finish when he was born. I, I thought I was gonna do it before the time he arrived. I wasn't able to. And then my wife gets pregnant. We're expecting twins. And whoa, I, yeah, exactly. Now I have three. So I so when I heard twins, I was like, I need to finish this before they come. <laughs> you know for sure. Oh, yeah, that's how I got to finish. So um, yeah. Wow, that's that's a really common story. But I think that I think that um, I think that really interesting point, especially with your business and and kind of where where our businesses kind of align is that um, you know, you can be a serve, you can provide a service, and you can do um, you know, you can provide a product. Um, but I think it was Bill Gates who said that um, every company is a media company. And if you're not in the business of media, like as in, as in like selling and marketing your products or your mm -hmm. services, um, then you're not going to be in business for very long or you're mm -hmm. leaving a lot on the table or you're not really planning for your retirement. So, right. I mean, as a like my pivot for when COVID hit was that I was going to get into small business consulting. So mm -hmm. I've learned I've amassed a lot of information over the last 10 years of running my own business on and, and I can help people um, avoid a lot of stumbling blocks that that costed me hundreds of thousands of dollars in mistakes. And so I offer that as a service with my coaching business. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the truth is, is that, um, you're not always going to do everything right. Um, but again, everything that can possibly be, be knowable is found online. And so all you have to do is be one step ahead of your client. So, you know, I encourage people to, especially if you're a service and hospitality worker, who's out of work right now, uh, the money will run out. Our, our federal government mm -hmm. is borrowing the money to pay our unemployment and that's not going to last forever. Right. Um, so, you know, I would, I've just been encouraging people to look at, look at all the classes that you took in college. what do you like? What are your hobbies? What are your favorite things to do? What do you do when you're not working? Turn that into a business. Um, and because, uh, you know, it, it could be something, it, it could be the thing that you just never knew that you were into. But, um, right. unfortunately there's a ton of people out there that, that want to write recipes for money and, and there just isn't a market for it. Right. Um, so it's it's unfortunate. It's it sucks, but um, we can apply that creativity into other places for sure, right. especially in restaurant management skills. There's not like in, in bar and restaurant nightlife. There's very few other industries that are as regulated and have to tolerate so much crap as we do. And so that 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 patience and that understanding of how to operate a very complex, um, you know, very cutthroat business, not cutthroat, but very competitive business. 
um, is very much a marketable skill for a lot of different businesses. Right. So let me ask you, the same way that you vividly remember being in that Pontiac when your mom told you <laughs> what you were going to be doing, um, do you remember the moment when you made a decision to, you know, not just write this book, but for you to actually turn your bartending into a business? When, when was that moment? Yeah, um, I remember quitting. I remember quitting Death and Co. And uh, I remember being like, "Is this the right thing for me? Uh, mm. Is this is this the is is this the hill I die on?" You um, quit. Well, let me ask this because in this business, it happens a lot when you make this decision. You quit while you were doing good, correct? Yep. I okay. quit when I was when I had been there for two years. I was loving the job. Um, you know, I just honestly felt it wasn't really fair for the people around me because they had to cover my shifts all the time, so I could do events. Um, and you know, you just eventually have to take a risk, and you have to eventually just jump off the cliff, and and, and hopefully your parachute opens. Um, and you know, I didn't have much savings. I just had my phone was ringing. Uh, I was the former president of the USBG in New York, so people thought that I knew what I was talking about. Um, they assumed I knew what I was talking about. I didn't. Um, I still don't. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just a risk, you know, and I just wanted, you know, like my relationship with Death and Co lasted years and years and years. I mean, like they would the doorman would call out. I would be there. Barback called out. I would be there. If a bartender called out, it would be like, OK, well, we're making daiquiris and old fashions tonight because I don't know this menu. If you're not familiar with Death and Co, it's like 50 to 60 menu items you know, seasonally. So it's like, if you, if you don't work there for a month, then you probably you don't know. No the idea what's happening. Menu. You right. don't know where, you don't know the me's, you don't know the, what's that, what's in the bottles. You don't know what's in the, what's in the batches. It's crazy. You can't just walk into that job. So it's really death of a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And I mean, the, the, what precipitated the book was um, the same. Like mine took about two years to actually write, but 90% of it was written in the last three months. Um, because, uh, like I had an outline, I had, uh, the person, like the kind of avatar that I was writing the book for, that's a really important thing. If you want to write a book is you need to know who you're writing it for. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, and then all this hit and I was just like, this book is important right now. This book is usable right now. So it's available on Amazon. It's, um, I do not make money on it. I think I make like maybe 75 cents on the paperbacks. Um, and then I think like 25 cents on the, on the Kindle version. So this isn't a, this isn't about making money for me. It's about, um, it's about conveying some, some knowledge and some information that I think is important to me that I wish I knew 10 years ago starting out. Um, and then this is just the first version of it. I mean, I, I've already, I've already seen, unfortunately seen a few typos, um, but also some, some information that, that, um, that has already evolved. And so, um, so if, you know, if you follow me on social media and if you look at my stories on, on Instagram and, and, um, and, uh, medium, then you'll see kind of what, what, where my head is at as far as sales and marketing of a, of an independent solopreneur business. Um, so you can mm. find all that stuff at Jason Luttrell. All right. So what would be the easiest way to de describe what the meaning of bartender as a business is? Yeah. So the tagline is, is, um, uh, it's bar, the book's called bartender is a business. And then the tagline is agency from craft or building agency from craft. And so what it is, is that, um, I'm trying to, um, share some information that allows you to take it and then, um, build your own agency from the skills that you've earned and that you've learned, uh, from the craft that you practiced before. Um, so like, you know, if you're, you know, People that we just don't think about it like in terms of how we what uh, what our role is in, in, in running a business. Yes, there's a lot that goes into it, like finding the finding a space, signing a lease, you know, dealing with bankers uh, if, if you're doing or dealing with investors, you know, dealing with distributors, uh, breakage, leakage, insurance, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Um, but as far as like 
um, as far as like, you know, your bartender, like your entrepreneurial sense is that you show up to work and you don't know if you're going to make money or not. And so, but you still have to run the business because the business is the, uh, is the vehicle through which you make money. So you have to take care of it. And when you don't take care of it, then you're quite easily expendable. I don't know how it works in Florida, but it's, um, New York is at will and, and you can get shit canned in five seconds. Oh, yeah. Um, especially if you're, especially if you're late or drunk. Um, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, like there's a lot and we tend to have an understanding of it. Um, most of the time, especially in smaller businesses, you have some sort of a managerial responsibility anyways. And, um, you know, these are, you know, people outsource management of bars and restaurants all the time. And it's, uh, and I, if I were like, even, I don't know, I can think of, you know, if I were a food truck or if I were just any, there's so many different businesses that those skills apply to, um, just in being able to, um, withstand a lot of pressure. And to have mm-hmm. just be organized enough to be like, this is this is what I think we should do now. And this is what's most important right now, because what do we do all day but prioritize? What do we do all day but organize? Right. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've worked with some messy bartenders, but not for very long. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> How would you define or describe that avatar you were thinking of when you were writing it? Well, um, it's actually based on somebody that I know. Um, yeah. And. Uh, the, the idea originally, it, it definitely evolved. Um, but it was definitely, uh, somebody who was very influential in the bar world, uh, somebody who, um, was extremely good at what they do, uh, and was, has a lot of recognition for it. Uh, but they had a hard time getting, um, you know, like invoicing and, and, um, and getting paid for their work and, 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 and valuing their work in a way that was competitive and, you know, uh, just like the kind of nuts and bolts of, of running a business. And so, um, I actually built this kind of wrote it down and built this whole avatar around who this person was, how old they were, uh, roughly what their education was, like what their right. st- strengths and weaknesses were. And then I wrote a, a 10 chapter outline, which I think I forget how many chapters are in the book, but it's like, then I wrote down exactly in a linear way what I thought the most important information would be. And then I just uh, started dictating it into, into Otter. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I, and then I sent it out for editing and then that's it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's a book. Right. But, you know, the, the point is like, you know, writing a book isn't as hard as people think it is. Um, uh, but, but it is attainable for any, for anybody, anybody can write a book, anybody can start a podcast, anybody can, can be, uh, can have a YouTube channel. Um, there are no limitations. Uh, we have these remarkably powerful computers in our, in our, in our pockets that, um, can do an, a staggering amount of functions. And, um, you know, as my friend Michael Neff would say, we, we can't all be generals. Um, but, um, you can spread a lot of influence and gain a lot of attention just with the, the cell phone in your pocket if you're trying mm-hmm. to sell something. And so mm-hmm. when people ask me about why did I write the book or, or who do I write the book for, um, generally speaking, we have a sales and marketing problem. So we don't know how to uh, market and sell what it is that we do. So when we say, oh, well, a lot of times we have a hard time articulating what we do. Um, right. You know, for, the, for those people, I would say check out Fiverr, check out Upwork and see what other people are selling and then put a huge price tag on it. Get good mm-hmm. at it from, from YouTube or from, from take an online course or whatever. Um, get good at that skill and then uh, put a price tag on it. Like if you want, like people are building websites like create every single day. People are building marketing funnels every single day. Uh, and if you're good at that stuff, then there's no limit to what you can charge for it. There's no right. limit to how many clients you can have. And um, there's no limit to your ability to sell and market it. But it, we have a hard time saying this is what I do and this is and this is my number. Right. Uh, that's disappointing for me. What is the age? you think ideally for somebody to start doing this and more than start what is the age that is like it's time to get out bartending not um if, if, to get out of bartending um i was 
kind I, I, when I was tending bar, I was drinking a lot. I was pretty reckless. And like, I was, you know, I was, you know, I was worried that I would be, I would eventually hurt myself and that it wasn't sustainable. Um, you know, I was, you, I was practicing some pretty good ergonomics and, and like, you know, using my left hand to build, I wasn't like, I was ambidextrous and I was pivoting rather than bending and doing all a bunch of good stuff. But, um, honestly, I just, you know, I always, I always knew that it was a job. And, um, but as far as like how old you should be, um, I think that, um, I, I think that you should kind of just go with the flow and, um, you know, it depends on your risk tolerance, uh, but age doesn't matter. You know, right. you, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, you, there may be some, you may have to be 21 in some States to get some, some insurance, but, right. um, otherwise it doesn't matter how old you are to start and it doesn't have to cost you an enormous amount of money. I think I started my business with like $350 and, um, you know, since then it's, 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 it's ebbed and flowed and obviously it tanked in this last year, but, um, you know, I was, I was having million dollar years, um, in, in gross sales. I didn't get to keep that, you know, the the measurement is how much you get to keep, not how much you, how much you make. Um, so, um, but yeah, no, there is no age. There's no, you know, you could be 70 years old and start a business as long as there is a market for what you do. In fact, you don't even need an LLC. You can, you don't even need to spend any money to start a business. Um, in some states like California, for instance, you have to pay an annual fee in taxes like Delaware, you have to pay an annual fee in taxes, like 500 bucks or something like that. Right. So it's, but some states, um, you don't have to pay an annual fee you just file an LLC and then you mm-hmm. just, you're in business. If you don't want to pay that fee, if you're in one of the states, you just say I'm in business and they yeah. have a right, che- have right checks to your name. And by the way, you, you do talk about this in the book as well, not just, you know, the, the mindset and the general idea of what it would be like or whatever, but actual action of this is what you have to do, um, yeah. which is important. Yeah, I try, I try to make it as paint by numbers as possible mm-hmm. um, and uh, as, as linear as possible. There's a lot of talk about failure. There's a lot of talk about mindset. Um, I think that uh, I think we have this really odd perception of what failure means in this country. Right. Um, at least as a society, we're just like, oh, well, we shouldn't fail. We should win every time. Well, that's, you know, if I'm not sure if I would work with if I'd want to work with somebody who won all the time because they haven't made any mistakes. They haven't learned anything. Right. Um, the reason so I asked you, uh, Jason, about the age was more I was thinking about a lot of girls, a lot of women that are doing it, that are bartending um, over here in Miami, Florida, and um, making a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a night, uh, mm-hmm. you know, plus depending on the on the venue. Um, driving Range Rovers, living in a nice apartment, you know, and and um, not ever starting a business, always having a job, and then one day they don't have that pretty face and they don't have that, you know, body, and they're mm-hmm. no longer seen. Uh, you know the way they used to be when the you know I I think at the beginning of the of the conversation the first job you took uh, you said something about they they didn't you know hire um, men at, at one that yeah. you were you know so so it is an issue I mean that the fact that and I've been talking to a lot of women in the industry um, and, and you know they don't like the fact that they need to look a certain way it, not in every venue of course and not in every um, industry or every every business or every location, but it is a reality. Places like like Miami, it is definitely real. You know. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Like money. Like money savvy. It's like it's not something that they should teach us this in like elementary mm-hmm. school and high school. Like what to do with your money. Right. Uh, if I made a million dollars today, my lifestyle would not change one bit. Would not change one bit. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and it's like I, there's some things that that have uh, that have come across actually recently. I'll show you this book. Um, this is like, this may sound crazy, but I'm, I liquidated all my stocks in the stock market 
um, and I'm sitting around waiting to put them into a life insurance policy. Now, people who always roll their eyes are like, what are you doing putting, putting your money into a life insurance policy? But it's actually an investment grade life insurance policy. I know this isn't like a finance show, but there's like hmm. really wacky things that, that the rich folks have always done that we right. can do uh, with our tip money or right. with even our, you know, with whatever money we make. Um, and so like, you know, if, if I were making 1500 bucks a night, I mean, and at one point I was doing pretty well, like I was, I wasn't doing that good, but I was doing pretty well. Uh, and I remember I had like an envelope in cash cause I was afraid that the IRS was going to come and take it. Right. Um, but the IRS doesn't care about me. Um, you know, it's like, it's funny. Put your money in the bank. If you have cash, put, put your money in the bank. That's where it's safe. Um, and then, my, um, my, my first partner, um, did not believe in banks and he had a, a safety, you know, box or whatever in, in his house. <laughs> and one day, like, I, I mean, I was, I had, my issue was I would spend the money when I was young. Yes. I, when I start, I started at, at 18 doing this and, mm-hmm. and, you know, making, I don't know, like 20 grand when I was, when I was 20 or so. And uh, a month I was like, woohoo. It was mostly cash. Was 20 grand a month at 20? At 20 years old as a club promoter. And it, it was crazy. It was a, an amazing, an amazing time. By the way, all that money's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know that 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 I was spending like crazy, and everybody was you know like, oh my god, this guy is spending money so like so much in in the the weirdest things and whatever. And um, but at the end, I was like, thank God I spent it. My partner, they, we never found out who, but they just they took the box, <laughs> the whole month, like, and he had well at the time they took like eighty grand or so like from him cash. I was, I was like at 20 years old believe me it hurts <laughs> yeah um that's a, that's a drag but but yeah definitely definitely you know put the money in the bank and, and re- yeah I mean, report it i think that i think the point is is like use your money as a tool don't use your money as as something to buy stuff because mm-hmm. um there's never going to be there's always going to be more things to buy and you're there's always going to be more right. things that you want but it's like as you get older um i mean it's like i'm if i'm talking to my 20 year old 20 year old self before i had kids it's like now I'm thinking now that I have a, t- a two year old son, I'm thinking about how to how do I provide for him after I'm gone? Like, how do I provide right. generational wealth? And so that's what I'm looking into, like whole life insurances with like like riders and stuff like that to make them like investment grade. Right. Um, but, um, you know, if you if that's not your thing, check out the in- just Google the infinite banking concept and watch a few YouTube videos on it. It's very, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, but um, otherwise, put your money in the stock market or, or let it grow and, and invest in it and make it something that you can borrow against. So you can buy something that 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 is a real investment because it's just like there's nothing more there's nothing more stressful than uncertainty right. and um, I mean obviously you know we have a lot to be stressed out about we've got hurricanes we've got fires we've got you know viruses we have um, you know political uncertainty we've got racial inequality we have like all these other crazy things like make it easier on yourself money can be predictable right. <laughs> did you did you ever think of ownership at all partnering or, or opening something on of your own um, you know what? I'm going to sound like an asshole saying this, but um, ha- knowing what I know from all the bar consults that I've done and, and the um, and especially in New York, just the, like the compliance risks, I've never been interested in o- owning a bar. Um, right. Well, I, ha- I have dipped my foot into the into the game a couple of times uh, here and there. Um, right. And, you know, I hope opened up a miracle. Um, one of the one of the Christmas bars uh, last year that was supposed to sling, slingshot me into um, another project, but that ended up not panning out. Uh, and I'm kind of glad it didn't, um, because 
uh, the bar business is a tough business. Um, and you know, the number one reason for bars failing is for, is for undercapitalization. And so unless it was like a really well capitalized project, like I'm working with a big uh, commercial development company right now for a project in New York. And I don't have to think about that because all I have to do is say, Hey, listen, like this is, you know, you have the marketing, you have the PR, um, you have, um, the, you have the design, you have the, the deployment, you have the, the sales, um, and you have like the kind of a built in audience. And so it's kind of a no brainer. Right. Um, but for a mom and pop in a place like New York, it's extraordinarily difficult to survive. And mm-hmm. especially now, I mean, they've, uh, local and state government has definitely shown their true colors and, um, they don't seem to care about, uh, the, 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 the you know, the plight of the small business owner, the, the mom and pop in New York, because right. they're struggling. You know, they can't Definitely. survive on 25% capacity. They can't survive on no, 50% capacity. Impossible. The margins are the margins are impossible. I mean, my my, so my, my my job, by, by the way, what most of my partnerships have been mom and pops, uh, uh, kinds of venues, um, and I have come in after the venues have been created and they're not doing well. Um, so, yeah. I, so I come in as a savior fixer. in a way and yeah. a fixer, right? Um, I have done the opposite of just being the investor and just watching it, which is which was wonderful in Colombia. Um, mm-hmm. uh, things were a little different over there. Like, I mean, so you have an idea, opening a venue for two thousand people capacity, like super nice, whatever. You don't you don't end up spending five hundred thousand dollars, you know, and uh, yeah. and you probably get around two hundred and fifteen sponsors <laughs> uh, yeah. to help build. So it's like so different than than what happens here um, in just that area of of the the equation um but yeah but i've owned um 10 11 venues uh different bar restaurant different you know in the industry and uh, three four of them have been bad experiences definitely um and i and every time i have said i will not do it again as a matter of fact when i finished writing the book i said i would not do it again and then i have done it again um but but yeah but it's mostly that like partnerships because of uh, what you said at the beginning, we need everybody needs marketing and everybody needs to be able to to, to sell the, their product and their services or whatever. Um, and a lot of businesses uh, think, especially when they have the issue of not having the capital, as you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. that the first thing the first thing they want to call on is that you know they don't they don't want to um, you know hire anybody uh, professional that you know. Uh, charges as a professional to do yeah. a professional job you know the the everybody goes in and they think okay so how much is the rent okay i can make it <laughs> yeah what good <laughs> well how are you monetizing this one table how much what's the rate yeah. per person per hour for this table for yeah. each of the seven days of the week yeah. and how many hours a week are you open so that can that drives your projections no that drives idea. like how much you think you're going to make and then you have seasonal variants you have like you know, compliance variants. Like there's like a ton of, there's just like so many different calculations that, yeah. you, that you put into it. I have this like big, huge Trello board. I don't know if you know Trello is it's a yeah, project it. management software and it just goes through, um, it's just like checklist after checklist and they're like t- dependency checklists. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I open up bars the same way that I would uh, fly a plane. It's like, it's just go by the checklist and everything's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> just, that way we think of everything, but, yeah. um, you know, no matter how good you are at it, um, there's just so many factors that you don't control. And that's why, um, you know, that's why it's, there, there's no rock solid bulletproof formula to opening up a bar. And, right. um, that's so that, for that reason I'm out. And by the way, add, <laughs> add pandemic to that list now, Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. it's like, you gotta be yeah. pandemic proof. 
But um, I mean, like, you know, what you were talking about is like you're talking about investing in bars and restaurants. And, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, pre I'm making an assumption here that, that ultimately you wanted your money to work for you rather than you working for money and getting on the other side of that equation. Um, and what a lot of people don't really fully internalize is the fact that if you use your money to create a business that generates cash flow and revenue, um, then eventually you can hire somebody to do your job. And you will get the benefits of that of owning that business, and then and then that's it. It's just the same way that the real estate appreciates. Right. And so, if you own that real estate, then you have the then you have the uh, cash value that has that is worth something that you can either deed to your kids, or you can deed it to your you can sell it and buy something else. You can you know, there's so much. Oh my God, there's so many different things that you can do in real estate to um, to cheat the government out of taxes, and um, and it's just like we're it's just like the rich folks play a different game. And it's like, I, I feel like we, I feel like we just need to get into that game, um, uh, which and the same rules apply to us. We just don't know about them. And right. so like, if you do the digging, you'll find financial advisors on YouTube, find them on LinkedIn. That'll just tell you everything they know about how to not pay taxes. Right. Uh, so it's like when, you know, when you go to a room full of a hundred people and you say, what's the, what's your biggest expense in life? And when you say, what is it rent? Uh, so I mean, 80 hands are going to, 80 hands are going to go up. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reality is, is that, um, taxes are the number one expense in everybody's for, for everybody, except for the very, very rich people. And right. so it's like, we're, we're comfortable paying 30% taxes or to banks. Um, and we don't realize that how much we're, how much is, is leaking through the cracks. So if we start thinking and, and, and acting like rich people, even with the, the little money that we typically have, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars here. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. and you can make investments of $5 into the stock market right now. I mean, you, like you can go to Robin Hood's, um, uh, I forget what the other stash, um, acorns and yeah. invest just a little bit, just get it out of your pocket. Cause it's, uh, if it's in your pocket, you're spending it. If it's, if it's in the market, then you're making it, um, most likely. 100%. Um, let's start rich. Let's start thinking about like, like rich people. hundred percent. All right. So, um, Jason, so we've been here over a half hour now. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have anybody leaving us. So let me ask you, um, a question. What is the biggest piece of advice that you can give uh, to our viewers today. Before there's only you upside. To, there's only upside to starting a business. Yes, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. Yes, you are going to fail. Um, but um, if you get back up, then then eventually you'll be okay starting a business. And there's absolutely no risk to do it right now. Just okay. decide what you love, and decide what you want to do, and decide where 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 you want to be in 20 years, and then then engineer that. Reverse engineer what retirement looks like. Um, awesome. you know, or maybe it's 10 years. And so I literally know how much I have a, I have a specific number goal and, and every month and every week, I know exactly how much I want to make to achieve that goal. And, um, so when you have that kind of mindset of like, this is what I need to do to kind of get to where I want to be. So I don't have to work for the rest of my life, or I can choose how much work I want to, I can choose how much I want to work for the rest of my life. Um, then it becomes much more, much more tangible, much more, much more visible. I mean, this is uh, straight out of Napoleon Hill's think and grow rich. Right. Um, you know, and it's like we have to get past this, this scarcity mentality where we're like, we are only worth the tips that we make. Uh, we are not. We are right. people. We have ideas. We are, we are creative and we provide significant and distinct value to the world. And um, I think that it's high time that we monetize that. Right. Um, guys, by the way, you do not have to be a bartender to enjoy this book and to get good stuff out of it um, as you don't have to be. Uh, promoter to enjoy mine <laughs> but yeah. um so where can people get your book on amazon right 
Amazon, and I think it's on a couple other places, but I'm, I, I, it's through Amazon. It's, I mean, you know what's crazy is like they actually print each book every time you buy it. Uh, yep, on demand. So, print on demand. <laughs> I thought that, I, that was that blew my mind. That's why I don't make any money on the book. That's why it has yeah. to cost nine. That's why it has to cost ten dollars. Right. Um, and then the Kindle version coming out later this month is three dollars. So like obviously I'm not trying to be a millionaire here. I'm just trying to get the message out that that there that we have options. That's a good thing. Um, all right, guys. So. Remember to follow me on Instagram at the Nightlife Entrepreneur. Um, join our group on Facebook, uh, our page, sorry, Nightlife Entrepreneurs, um, and visit our website, nightlife.university. Where can they find you, uh, Jason? Uh, I'm everywhere at Jason Luttrell, and that's L-I-T-T-R-E-L-L. -L. I'm active on LinkedIn. I, I automate all my social media stuff, so um, I, I spend my time more time listening than posting, but I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, um, Medium. Um, I have two different blogs, uh, and then I go live once or twice a week uh, on my Facebook. Or the Facebook group is Bartenders of Business, which I think I'm actually going to open up. Uh, to everybody, but um, but you can also go to learn.jlatrell.com for a free course that's a companion for that for the book. Um, basically, says the same thing and and, and uh, kind of puts it in a snackable way. But again, that's uh, the idea is to get make the information available and try hopefully inspire people. That's at learn.jlatrell.com. Amazing! Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure meeting you. I will finish the book and let you know how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Julio. Uh, appreciate up to it. Now, it's really good. And see you guys next week. All right. Thank you.